Welcome to The Future Is In, the podcast that gives you permission to live your truth. I am Janae Hicks, your guide on the Zen journey, and I am thrilled to be here with my bestie to share the lessons learned from this insane adventure that we call life. This has been years in the making, but we're ready to provide a safe space to help people like us navigate work and life with humor, honesty, and a lot of heart. Whether it's our missteps, insights, or leveraging our natural talents, we want to help you create a life worth living right now. From difficult experiences to moments of pure joy, we're here to help you get through it all and come out wiser and more resilient. We're going to bring you closer to the light even on the darkest days, so come on, let's create space for your life. Life doesn't have to be so hard. We have to learn to create more space for our truth. This fall, we invite you to join us on our Zen journey as we delve into the extraordinary stories of ordinary people just like you. Together, we'll build a community centered around acceptance and self-discovery. So sit back, relax, and let's get real about this Zen journey. We're excited to have you along for the ride. All right, let's go. Welcome to the Future and Zen podcast. Hey, y'all. Welcome back. We shine a bright light on the extraordinary journeys of the ordinary person. We are broadcasting from Michigan, Georgia, and California today. So with that, Janae, go ahead and introduce our special guest. Absolutely. So we are so excited to introduce our first guest on the Future Is Then podcast a believer, wife, mother, sister, and friend. Shahida is an inspiration to all. As a home educator and lifelong student, Shahida embodies the meaning of her name, one who bears testimony to the truth. As the co-founder of Boss Mom Nation, author of Mother Is My Muse, influencer and social activist, Shah has boldly allowed motherhood to guide her craft and pierce the hearts of women everywhere. Her goal is to make sure that all mothers feel seen and inspired. But who she really is and what is most relevant for you to know is that Shahida is our sister friend. Shahida is my bestie of 22 years. She was my college roommate. And she is one who never shies away from speaking her mind. She's brilliant. She's bold. She's inspiring. You can always count on her to remind us that motherhood is an ongoing process of self-discovery that deserves recognition and celebration. Trust that she's the kind of fire that the world needs right now. So let's give a very warm Zen welcome to our friend and yours, Shahida. Welcome, Shah. Yay. Okay, so can I just give a major shout out to that introduction? Like, who who is she? Do I know her? Thank you. Okay, so I know we've been planning this and we've had to reschedule. We're back yes. again. I just am so grateful that we are here today and we've made the time and mm-hmm. I'm ready to just dive into the goodness of what this conversation is going to be because it is exactly just a conversation between sisters, between friends, covering a topic that is very important to each of us that we can all yes. relate to in our own respective levels. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited. And we are only um, recording the audio so you guys don't see that we're looking at each other. So it is, <laughs> it like warms my heart to have like my two besties in the space and we're getting ready to chow down on Mothers as Martyrs, which is a conversation that Shahida um, has introduced to her Boss Mom Nation. And we are going to introduce it to our Zen Collective. But what's so wild before I hand it back to Rini is Shahida didn't even like kids. So the fact that we on this call talking about mothers and martyrs, like, it's crazy to me, Shah. It's crazy to me, too. It's really (laughs) crazy to me because you are absolutely right. (laughs) Okay, Rini. I would never know that. I would think that you were, like, wanting a bunch of kids as a child. I don't know. I just No, it. no. And I mean, let me like give a little context yeah, to it. I'm the context. oldest. I'm the oldest of four children. So, I mean, and I'm the oldest of four children who had quite a bit of responsibility as the yes. oldest. So, um I never like dreamed of or thought out like what it would look like to be a mom or I never planned like I can remember being younger and people are like oh I want four kids I want three I wasn't even thinking about how many children I wanted yeah 
granted i knew i would have a husband one day hopefully and then probably have kids but i never and i'm was never the person who's like oh can i hold your baby can i I'm like <laughs> no <laughs> so yeah no wow. that's the shot i know and what's so crazy i think we can all agree that we knew i was probably god willing go you know, pump out some babies and have some kids. Like the personality just kind of aligned. Like you were like, okay, Janae, Janae gonna get married and they gonna have some kids. And uh, Sha was like, and me too. Or at least your husband was like, and you too, for sure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are, baby here number we are. five due in uh, two or three weeks. So. Baby oh, that's amazing. Five. I mean, wow. Yeah, I would have oh. never assume that I guess I would assume that you wanted children because you are just such a bomb mom so let's dig into our topic um mothers as martyrs um before we get really deep into it I want to do a quick zen check this is something we do at the beginning of each episode when we speak about the future being zen what comes to your mind Shahida um like what habit thoughts patterns do you feel like you need to potentially let go of your overall well-being and getting closer to zen yes um uh, the first thing that comes to mind is peace obviously when i think of zen i think of being able to get quiet and finding making sure that you create space for you to always get quiet and for me sometimes getting quiet is literally going in my room locking my door then going into the closet in my room so that i can be furthest from the noise or the chaos so that I can just sit with my thoughts for a minute and so ultimately the future being zen needs to be us as humanity understanding that before we can be anything to anybody we need to get quiet with ourselves we need to be comfortable being with ourselves because we're in such a culture of like social being social and we have access to people who we don't really know but we follow their lives and we're not really being cognizant that we need to step away from everybody's lives everybody's narrative everybody's story and sit with ourselves for a minute so that we can be have some peace in our mind because we're allowing so many things in our mental space that it gets loud and chaotic and noisy so being able to hold on to knowing how to go get your peace so that you can show up as who you really are and not um, always taking a piece of everybody else or what else is going on in the outside world, which can get really heavy. So I love Mm -hmm. being comfortable with yourself, like being able to sit with yourself because that's hard. It's easier to distract, right? Like when it gets silent, oftentimes like the thoughts become overwhelming and um, you have to look at yourself in the mirror and you have to consider the parts of your life that maybe you don't want to take time for. Maybe you don't want to have to consider what the next step is going to be. And when you're silent, like you can't avoid that. And so I appreciate just highlighting that a part of the Zen journey is being comfortable with ourselves and being able to sit in silence with ourselves. That's a big deal. I love it too. When I thought about this question this morning, as I prepared for the podcast, I jotted down some notes and the thing I wrote down was the thing that I need to let go of or improve is powering through my day. Like it's muscle memory for me, the way I was just raised. I think no one really talked about sitting and just stopping. And I would even like work through lunch or multitask during lunch, but I need to let go of that because I do need to make sure that every day there are intentional pauses yeah. for me to be by myself. <laughs> and no, so my thoughts, so yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing yeah, that. Yeah, and you um, know what, that, I, go ahead. real quick, I want to touch on what you said, Karina, about like just being in the habit of doing. I read something and it stuck with me. I can't even remember where I read it. But um, the quote was that we have to remember that we are human beings, not human doings. So we have to remember that, okay, what does it mean to just be? We don't always be have to be doing something. So it's so important to be able to break and have those moments where it's like, okay, I'm not necessarily being productive in the sense of doing something that creates an outcome, but I am productively being in this moment right now and taking some deep breaths. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. 
Yes, that is so good. That is I like, love that. Yeah. Okay. So we're on the same boat with that. We'll check in with each other and see how we're doing. But y'all check in on me because I power through my day. But um, all right, let's get back to the topic at hand, mothers as martyrs. Janae, talk to us about this article by Dr. Colleen Sira. Um, the name of it is The Making of a Martyr, Navigating the Struggle of Motherhood. Well, you know what? Shahida brought the article to me. And I think, Shah, why don't you kick us off on why you felt the need to introduce the article to your audience and when it was time for you to determine the how or the questions that you were going to um, present, you and I talked about it first. Tell me why. Like, tell me what brought you to the article, what, why you wanted to have further conversation, like what opened up that dialogue for you? Okay, so... <clears throat> the first thing is that the article came across, I, I can't remember where I found it, whether it came through a newsletter I'm signed up to or something. And the first thing that stuck out to me was <clears throat> even using the word martyr along with motherhood, because I would have never put those two together. And I'm a I'm big on language. The older I get, the more I'm like breaking down how we use language and how Absolutely. we choose to pair words together and sometimes we do them without a, a lot of thought into breaking language down so first sure. I'm okay well let's define what a martyr is and a martyr <clears throat> any definition that you look up the 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 every source is going to speak to the fact that it is a person who suffers death rather than give up his or her religion so first of all this is a very sacred sacrificial term Yes. So at first I'm like, wait, we gotta up. die. Like we like, <laughs> I'm like, wait, why why is this word even in the set? Why why did we put these two together? So then I had to do a little bit of research and see the articles that were coming up that were written by other publications around motherhood. And they were all just speaking to the fact of, you know. Mothers, we are self-sacrificing a lot in the, in the culture with between like mom guilt is a big thing and yeah. <clears throat> us pushing ourselves to, to, to limits where our sanity is on the line for the sake of our family. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, first of all, that's, that's very circumstantial. Like some of us are doing that. Some of us are not doing that, but I think maybe it is the norm in the culture because women are trying to balance career sometimes and then still doing all these things at home. It's a yeah. lot, right? Okay. So <clears throat> I had to kind of think like, how, how do I feel about this? Because I was thinking of the definition of the term alone and thinking about how it's being paired with motherhood which is definitely there's many moments of sacrifice but I felt like okay being a martyr is a complete self-sacrifice yeah. I'm going to give everything that I have and I'm willing to die so that I can stand firm in what I believe in so and I always feel like religious terms should not necessarily always be paired with like societal norms you know absolutely it's sacred yeah. so at first I felt like I didn't think that it needed to even be anything we bought into the culture of motherhood we could have used a different word yeah but since this is where we are I felt like okay I get what they're saying when I would read the articles it was more like we are overly sacrificing ourselves for our roles as mothers in our family so then I had to kind of take it down from that and speak to it from that place and I felt like ultimately we make sacrifices right that's right. what we do as mothers and making sacrifices are is it's honorable to make a sacrifice to serve others so it's not a bad thing but think depending on there's always bound there should always be boundaries we should have a limit of how much of us we're going to sacrifice because if we're going to be able to stay here and uh, continue to serve, then we have to have a boundary of how much we have to know our threshold, what's our bandwidth, so that we can know when that the sacrifice is tapped out, right? So <clears throat> when I was responding to the article, I was basically just thinking of it like, okay, I'm agreeing with all of the articles are basically saying the same thing. We're all saying, hey, let's not subscribe to this. Let's okay. not, um, let's not be martyrs within motherhood, yeah. you know? 
So I want to share how when I decided to share that on social media, I get a text from my mom like going in on me about <laughs> how motherhood is the closest thing to being a martyr. This is my mom's like, what do you mean? Like, girl, you you are like putting your life on the line, just giving birth. You it's like the closest thing to death. So okay. after me and my mom go back and forth for a minute. What I realized is this is why it's very important to have generational conversations, but right? Because what sacrifice looked like to my mom in her stage and journey of motherhood does not have to look the same for me. Her 100%. level of sacrifice will, will looked different. And so my mom's thinking of it more on the extreme sense. I'm like, yes. Absolutely. My life was on the line each time I delivered a child. Um, and and if my child needed me to put my life on the line again for them, I would. But I'm like, mom, we talking about day to day life. OK, <laughs> girl, we're not talking about extreme situations. Obviously, any mother would sacrifice her life for her child. But in the context of my generation, these articles are speaking to what mothers are doing in their daily routines that are sacrificing themselves to a point where their sanity is on the line and they are feeling drained and depleted. So we're just saying, hey, we don't have to do that. We can save a piece of ourselves for ourselves. And this is how we can go about it. And basically all these women are rallying together to encourage each other to say hey we can show up for our families while showing up for ourselves um at the same time and it's okay we don't have to have guilt if we decide to do something different opposed to showing up for our family in that moment like i'll give you an example my boys started playing basketball this last season um, and they had games every weekend and they both had games different days. So Saturday and Sunday for like six months straight was like basketball games for the boys. Right. And initially I'm like, okay, my boys. Yeah. I'm a basketball mom. So, you know, I understand. I want to give them this opportunity to do something different because they don't go to traditional school. So this is a good opportunity for them to play an organized sport. I'm willing to make the sacrifice. It's only six months, but at the same time, I'm like, but I don't want to give every Saturday and Sunday away right. to go to these basketball games because they would dominate our day. So I told my husband, we can trade off some Saturdays and Sundays you can go. And then some Saturdays and Sundays I can go so Absolutely. that we can both still know that I can still say, okay, within this six month time frame, I can book a girl's day on a Sunday because you're going to the games, not me. And yeah. I didn't have to feel like, oh, I didn't show up to every game. No, I didn't. <laughs> and you know what, Shia, what comes up for me? Um, we are very much talking about how are we identifying these social constructs that yeah. lead to feelings of helplessness and overwhelm? What have we been taught that no longer align with who we are or the world that we live in? And how can we begin to unlearn these um these harmful ways of moving through the world because we've made these social contracts about motherhood and we don't necessarily agree it no longer fits so how do we change the the story of motherhood how do we have thoughtful dialogue about assumptions that we've made about motherhood what does it look like to consider ourselves as dynamic i would even go so far to redefine what family looks like right and how we define family and how we define what's most important and who should be priority in our life because it all lends itself to these feelings of perpetual shame that we're not doing enough and and we don't love it it doesn't make us feel good yeah yeah that was really good i mean that the first article well we're going to link all the articles for listeners there's one that is by dr colleen circa um, and then there is one that is by you, Shahida, as well, that we're going to highlight for readers. But um, the beginning of it has this really, like, intense story about a woman, a mother, and poop. And it just really resonated with me because <laughs> sweet little two-year-old Sage 
took a bath last week, pooped in the tub, and handed it to me. And I <laughs> thank you, Sage. We appreciate that. Grabbed it from her, thinking <laughs> it was like fudge. I did not. It was very gross. And you know, I'm just letting you know, I almost died. <laughs> almost died. <laughs> so this article, you know, just getting a new mom really, really, really resonated with me because it's some gross, gross, gross shit that happens. <laughs> and you just gotta clean up. And I am just, it's a lot, guys. So um the quote that stood out from the article for me is that we are still adult human beings with dreams and goals and needs and wants that have nothing to do with our children. Um, so it's important that we nurture that we cannot let any of that go for motherhood and the million dollar question is how do we marry the two how do we come up and show up for our kids and like you said I'll put my lifeline I will put my life on the line for my kid but also nurturing and honoring myself and not giving my life up for it um and that's the that's figuring out that balance is like I don't know. Whoever has the answer has the key. <laughs> and you know what? Shahida mentioned something that I think is fair to bring up, Rini, that really speaks to that. There is no one size fits all rule to this thing, right? So motherhood looks different for everyone. Like if you're married, motherhood perhaps will look different. Depending on the number of kids, motherhood could look different. Um, if you are an adopted, uh, you are a mother that adopted a child, it could look different. Um, if you you know, your your financial state could make motherhood look different. It doesn't look one way, right? And so we have a tendency to try to make everyone fit in one box and say, do it this way because this is the way that I've done it. If I am a mother that works, it's going to look different than if I'm a mother that stays home, right? And And I think it's important for us to first identify and name that the social norms and expectations of society are the problem that we don't have to say yes to things that don't align with our individual experience in this world. That No, it don't work for me. I don't want to say yes to that. No. Yeah, exactly. And we are met with what, what naturally comes with motherhood. The moment that you um, are taking care of a child and mothering a child, we women, we have, we naturally have the mothering. It's an innate nature we were born with, right? Yes. So when something is not feeling right, so like despite the social constructs or the things that have been normalized, we know what feels like this is natural to what yeah. it should look like as it, within a, the motherhood journey. But we just have to trust that. We can't let like society be so loud that it overpowers what we know deeply. And that, that, that speaks to the point of... Um, the future beings in and why you need to be able to get quiet with yourself so that the outside noise does not totally you don't conform to that um in your daily life it's the truth because you guys have to consider i had elijah when i was 20 so motherhood for me didn't look like motherhood does farini right so i was all i worked since i was 19 years old full-time i've always been a mother holding down a full-time job in school, you usually in leadership, in a marriage that I'm trying to cultivate and learn and engage with, trying to manage friends and figure out what who I am and honor my authenticity and my identity at every stage of my life. Cause I'm growing up with the, this little boy and then little girl. And so motherhood has changed consistently for me throughout the years. It's never looked the same. Yeah, yeah. And that's the beauty of it too. Like, I think that, you know, do we have different situations? Some women choose to never embark on the journey of being a mother. But what I will say is that there are levels and layers of me that could have never been unlocked if I was not mothering humans. Mm-hmm. It's just it's impossible. Mm-hmm. So I think that uh, we benefit so much. We become higher levels of ourselves because of the sacrifices that we have to make. We're not as self-centered. We're thinking about others. And then we weave ourselves in there too. It's it's really a win-win situation. And when it comes to the balance of making sure we don't step into like that martyrhood zone, um, it changes. And the yeah. seasons change. You might, have a, you might have a whole season where you're feeling like you're in, uh, it's a more of a sacrificial season, 
you know, but obviously we wanted to be a sacrifice with a purpose. Most times we're making a sacrifice because like I said, my boys were going to play basketball for six months. So I was willing to give up most of my weekends, but I'm like, but wait, we're going to save a couple of weekends in between for me to do something for myself. So um, I think we just have to keep ourselves in mind. We don't ever need to not have ourselves on the list. Like mm-hmm. we need to be on Ooh, the list. Love that. Me too. Okay. No, so that's I everything. think a question for you. I'm super interested in homeschooling my daughter's age as I texted you about. And I'm super inspired by your dedication to homeschooling. So how does like sacrificing yourself or martyrhood, martyrdom show up in the homeschooling journey? I would assume that, you know, not taking your kids someplace else for 40 hours a week would increase the chances of feeling like you're the martyr you know because you're just with them all the time or with the kid all the time yeah yeah so you know when I I try to think about how I felt in different stages of this of me homeschooling because we're like maybe on year eight and um Sanaya who's the oldest she was in the second grade when we first decided to homeschool. Now, let me, let's keep in mind, I was not the mom. You know, you have some homeschooling families who their children never went to school. They intended to homeschool before they had children. That was right. not me. I, I, I wasn't like, oh, yeah, I'm going to homeschool. As a matter of fact, I shared before that I was that mom. I was like, I could never homeschool. By <laughs> <laughs> I didn't so, know that. So yeah, I didn't know that Sanaya went to school up in, you know, like a traditional school for the first couple of years. So she went yeah, till so second she grade. Went to second grade. Yep, she went to TK, kindergarten, first and second grade. And I started to notice a pattern in how she would respond to um, social conflicts with children because my children grow have grown up in a big family. They have lots of aunties and uncles. They've been surrounded by so much love and like, like people have always just loved them so much, right? Mm-hmm. So when she went to school and experienced like people not being as kind or as nice or girls not being as nice as her, oh God, it was so heavy on her. So she came home from school often with like things that would be small to one child. They were really big right. to her. She was still thrive- thriving academically, but socially, she was bothered by things. Um, so, and she had good experiences too, because there was always some little girl who was as nice as her and, you know, different things. But by second grade, she was having experiences where it was seemed to be bothering her more. So I'm like, okay, well, I mean, you know, if you're not having a great time at school, you don't have to stay there. Like you can stay home with me and we can learn at home and we can do other things and we can have freedom. And so she... She took chose that option and I did too. So it was more so like I had a conversation with my husband about what was going on at school. Um, and in the school system, she was in just a regular public school system. So right. there was also a situation academically where I felt like she could have been moving at a different pace. Um, like I'll give you an example. They had a program in her class in first grade where some of the students who were not reading up to grade level they were pairing the students who were reading at grade level to help the other students, which I thought was good, but they didn't have anything in in um, in place for the students like Sanaya who were excelling. So it's like, okay, right. well, what about keeping her moving forward opposed to just having her serve to, which I think both were necessary. I thought it was great. It was great for her confidence too, to, st- to be able to help her classmates and be paired as a, as a reading leader. So there were just some holes in the academics. In the it school. was. Can I offer something, Shy, real quick? Because Rini has saved many teachers because she is an educator. For me, being very consistent about my ch- child needing to get what they need out of the classroom and Karina having to redirect me and say, Janae, it's not about just your child. It's about every child in that Ooh, classroom. Janae I was, was like, a helicopter it. parent when the baby was little. I was like, Janae. My baby need more. Okay, away. I'm sorry Back that everybody away from the teacher's there. email address. Back away from the teacher's email account. Get off. 
get off. No, they okay. don't want your three paragraphs. I'm just trying to tell you that I, I understand, friend. I'm trying to tell you, Charlotte, I hear you. I hear you. That's all I'm trying to say. Okay. Yes, but I did acknowledge. I felt like I, I admired and I felt good for her that she was in the position to help others. But at the same time, I think that in the course of helping others, we should still be able to be pushed to new levels too, right? So it, now that wasn't like the game changer. That was just an example of like other academic holes because we know all school systems, there's some holes and flaws within these and they're public schools. There's the funding is not enough. I mean, we can, that's a whole separate podcast, right? Separate. So, I don't even want to bash schools, but schools, <laughs> they deserve right. it. Like they do. 100%. 100%. Child, 100%. And, and, it's, and let's be clear. It's the system. It's not the educators. Because the, a lot of Absolutely. the educators, I know some amazing educators, they're just in a system that's got them in shackles that's not supporting them to the degree that they need to be supported so they can no. only do so much, right? So all that to say, uh, between the social, the social drove it most because I'm more about emotional intelligence like right we can learn anything academic but if you're not feeling good and safe in your spirit and your and, and socially you're starting to feel a little bit worn down you don't feel like you're getting back what you're giving then I'm like hey and she was young and I feel like in those youthful years we need to protect that innocence of feeling like they don't have to be so resilient when it comes to dealing with other people who don't know how to show up like this. So Absolutely. she was cool with that. She came home um, and that's when our journey started. So to go back to the original question about saving myself from be like being just completely sacrificing so much of me, I always had a village. So I always had my sister, one of my sister-in-laws run a daycare. So I always had her to drop my kids off. I have to say that. I have, I, there are some moms or homeschool families where they don't have anyone and their kids are with them all the time. So if I needed to go run an errand or if I needed to go do something for half of a day, or if I needed to just have a break, my sister-in-law would tell me like, I know you may not have plans today, but if you just need to like drop them off, bring their work and they can stay with me for a couple hours. So I, I tell people- her. I tell people too, I will always tell people and one thing I want to be transparent about is I even joke with my husband like I'm probably only like five kids in because of your sister because I mean she's been we there appreciate her yeah I've, ne I've never I've never and not just her the village of his family it's 11 of them sure. I have seven sister-in-laws, so the, I've never lacked in support being able yeah. to take my children somewhere for a full day or sometimes a weekend. So I've always had room to breathe and come up for water or air, come up for air when things got really challenging. So that's, that's, I think first. that's big. Shy, I don't want you to, but I don't want us to buzz by that. So we're making decisions about what motherhood is going to look like for us. How are we going to educate our children? What sacrifices are we willing to make? One of the highlights that I want to pull out from what you just said is a lot of your decision-making was centered um, based on the fact that you have a community, you have a village. So you had a little bit more flexibility in that way to say, I know I don't have to do this alone. And so I can consider a different possibility. Yes. Absolutely. And especially being a mother of multiple children, you know, sure. it's very necessary. So I had her, which was something that was such a big support that it kept me going in the days when I needed breaks and then the children needed breaks too. They loved going over there to hang out with her and, and her children. So, but, but in this whole season, now I don't do that anymore. Now we're in a season where she's not really running her daycare anymore. My kids are bigger too. They're not even daycare age. So mm -hmm. now I will say the last four years has been the, the most time I've spent exclusively with my kids seven days a week. <laughs> I'm not like taking them to her. Every day, every day, I'm supposed to wake up and do this thing like every day. I'm like, what every day? 
day, every day, she just wake up. Hey, what happened? I'm like, we're gonna do this again. So exhausting. Like, I know, I know, I know. And you know what? This is what what I have to say is this, and 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 and. I, sometimes I'm like, how am I even do this? And make no mistake, there are mornings where like, I'm like two hours into the morning and I'll call my husband like, bro, I'm about to send your kids up to the nearest public school. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I don't even care what's happening. They got That's your empty threat to your husband. I know. I know. Like, it's, it, it's like a gang war in real time. You like, okay, put your colors on, then I guess it's time for you to get in there. Like, get ready, square up. And he's just like, oh God, what's going on? So I mean, granted, I have those days, but I have to all what I what 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 I bring myself to every time I have a mission statement for why I'm homeschooling and I rewrite it like almost every year. So I always have to go back to statement. Don't be just running past these like gyms that you, you got the whole mission statement. Brainy. Did you hear? Did you hear? I mean, how often do you your mission statement? Okay. So I have a, um, I have a homeschool planner and it's in the front of my planner so and I have to look at that planner every day so I flip okay. through it and I read it to remind me every morning almost like sometimes I, I I breeze through it but some days it's, it's always accessible so it's yeah. right there it's not something that I wrote and tucked away no it's right here <laughs> and that. um because I have to go back to my why. Like, you know, we always talk about like, what's your why? Why are you doing this thing? And sometimes I go back and I read what I wrote. I'm like, wow, that's, oh, that's deep. <laughs> but you remember, you're remembering your purpose. Exactly. And so look, it's deeply rooted. It's deeply rooted. So I remember, yeah. like I say, I didn't plan to homeschool. I was called to homeschool and I answered the call and I'm showing up to do this work because my children will be children for this long. Janae, you know, you got yes. a grown man, son. I do got a whole grown man. Yes. So to me, and look at you, you still young and still got so much life to live. God willing. I, I do, honey. Like, don't sleep. This is a window a window of time that I have to say, I gave it all that I got. So when I'm like reliving my life in older decades and I'm past those like hard educational stages or even those dependent stages, because there will become a time where they are not as dependent as they are now. And it will go by so fast. And I always said, I never want to regret like the time that I gave this especially since it's heavy on my heart on how I want to show up as a mother. I have a very clear tunnel vision on what I want motherhood to look like for me and what I want my children to remember it looked like for them. So Ooh, I love I that shot. I, you know what? You just brought something up that I think I would want our listeners to consider. Like what would it mean for us to create our mom mission statement? Right. Because like you, you center on that, you come back to it. It's always something that grounds you and anchors you and reminds you of how you need to make decisions as um, a a homeschool teacher and as a mother. And it'll also help us to unlearn whatever social constructs don't align with our world. If we had our mom mission statements, like what are, what is your mom mission statement? It won't look the same as everyone else's, but let's, let's go ahead and identify that. Yes. And I and love that Shahida said she rewrites it every year. Like yes. it, and I, and I, it does not yes. have to be the same thing from when your kid was two. <laughs> right. And if you read it, if you if I read it and I'm like even months, I don't have to wait the whole year. If I feel like I'm in a season of growth with different children and development, I'm like, okay, well, it needs to change a little bit. And um now I want to give you some practical things on how on yeah. how I'm also like saving myself from uh, being just a martyr in my day-to-day life. But my children, we have established, there was a few things that I established as non-negotiables in our homeschool life. So after being a little bit more experienced, I realized I don't have to copy school at home. I don't have to 
put everything in a box of like, these are the hours we're doing this and we're doing math and this and this at this hour. I didn't have to model that, which I was doing naturally. And I realized I needed to step back and kind of like de-school, unschool myself mentally. So then I could really do this in a way that was um, very unique to our lifestyle. So first thing is- I the exciting part to me is like the idea of being able to just do what fits you yes yeah to, to practically so integrate like, like that that's sounds everything. so exciting to me versus like waking up and taking my kids it to is freedom building. it's freedom it's freedom like we like there are days when I'm like hey today we're going to start the whole half of the day outside like we're going to wake up we're going to eat and then we're going to go to the park and we're going to be there until we just are ready to go which can be hours and sometimes I'll come and I'll bring books and I'll bring snacks and I'll bring things where I can do something while I'm there they can be there until they're just ready to go and then we might not have come home until the afternoon and then we'll get into those academic studies or objectives that we're trying to reach so there's no box of time so like I'm I'm working on an ebook which I'm almost finished with it's a guide yes ebook and I in the guide I talk about rhythms versus versus schedules because at first I did start off having a schedule like okay we need to eat breakfast between 9 and 9 45 then we're gonna do a math lesson from 10 15 to 10 45 and then when life was happening and children were being children and then I wasn't fitting in those blocks I felt stressed and Mm -hmm. I felt like I wasn't meeting the goals and the requirements so then I had to say held on What's more realistic as a family with children in general is to have more of a flow and I need room for flexibility. So I can have these important uh, bullets that I need to hit, but I don't need to be boggled down to hit them by a certain time of day. You have some homeschool families where parents work and then they come home and they are monitoring their children's studies in the evening. They're not homeschooling in the day. So we have to first realize we can make this look like whatever it needs to look like for us. So we, I have anchors, what I call my anchors. These are things that I'm going to do every single day. We're going to eat together. We're going to read together. We're going to have a certain time for digital devices. And then we're going to have some quiet time. And then in between those things that we're going to do every day, then I like weave in a lesson and, and, but there's no time frame we're just gonna do Child, these can things. you just come raise my kid I just feel like can I just drop me off I think you just be such a better human if you would just <laughs> raise her okay I'm sorry finish telling me about the anchors I just want to cry it's beautiful it is beautiful but that no way. that's it in a, in, in a nutshell I created these anchors which get which these are the things that are going to hold me down where it's like These are the things that are important to me. It's important that we eat together. It's important that I read to my children aloud every day. It's important that I make sure that I'm I'm monitoring how much time we're spending on devices. So I made a certain time like, okay, this is device time. Everybody can get on the iPad. Everybody can use the computer and we're going to use it for an hour. And then that's it. Opposed to like, because I have two well, Kyrie, he's 12. He's almost 13. Tonight's 14. Teenagers, they have phones. They'll be on and off. And that was too much for me to manage, right? Yeah. So I created a time where whenever that time starts, everybody gets to get on at the same time. Then we get off at the same time. And then we're back focusing on whatever it is we're focusing on. So I love that. I do love that idea for the screen. Just everybody get on and then we're all off. I love <laughs> that. Can I offer two shots? I want to be able to offer to how Shai helped me um, with my best efforts. I have children that have attended public and private school, but they are in a traditional setting. And my daughter was coming home stressed and I was feeling like that guilt of not being able to allow her to have more flexibility in her inner emotional experience. And Shai suggested to me that I see how many days I have within a school year where it won't count against Nia. And then I plan her rest and recuperation days based on that. So if I have 30 days before it counts against me, then that means that I she has 30 days that she can have an emotional break where if she's feeling stressed or overwhelmed, we can stay home and it won't be punitive or count against her. And so even in that, in my world, Shai was able to suggest to me how we can give choice back to our kids and how we can honor their experience 
and not make them feel the way that we felt when we were growing up like we didn't have choice that the only thing that we could do was push through and so I want to appreciate at first of all I appreciate you shy in so many ways but especially that because it did make Nia feel better to know that if she was having a particularly hard day that she could take a break and that we've already planned for it yeah yeah and I tell people all the time I don't homeschool may not be for every family and although I'm a homeschool advocate for those who want to and are in the position to and they see themselves doing that I do think that we need to understand that we have the autonomy. We cannot go join these systems and think that they can run us and not um, allow us room to show up as parents. Like school cannot feel like jail. So if my daughter say she need a mental health day, oh, then that's taking a mental health day. And then what I was saying to you was let her know how many days she has so she can choose wisely. So since you're getting to the last few days of the year, you can decide if you want to run them out this <laughs> week or spread exactly. them out. So at least she's seeing the give and take. It's like, hey, we're you go to school. We have to follow these rules. But we are going to acknowledge your needs as a human being. And you can make the decision on where you want to use these days before the school system is at my door talking about where is Nia. I hear And they're probably not. And they're not, probably not. But that's, I don't know about Georgia, but schools are trash. Well, you know, Kim, they don't Kim send is people real to their life. door. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. But kids. remember, too, that the opposite of trauma is choice. And, then, and I'll say this a lot. So this won't be the last time that you hear this. The opposite of trauma is choice. The opposite of trauma is choice. So when we are in a space where we feel that the experience is unbearable and intolerable, it evokes trauma feelings. But when we give choice back, it says, no, there's another way for you to look at this. You can shift your perspective. There's a reframe in it. And here's what that might look like. And that's what you gave to me, Shai, because I was feeling like I didn't have a choice. Like, this is what they're telling me I have to do. This is my obligation to this space. This is what I have to do as a mom. And you were like, well, maybe not. Like, let's talk it through. Yeah. Yeah. We have to take our power back or not give it up ever, actually, just because they go to school so yes okay this this conversation could go on forever because there's so many layers to it it's so juicy I have written down so many like takeaways but yeah this was a really 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 good conversation yeah like we can have a part part we can have a part two yeah okay we We definitely need to have a part two it is because a hot I'm topic. curious how it's landed with Boss Mom Nation. I want to hear like how how your community have have responded to you bringing this to the forefront and creating space for dialogue. I'm very interested. Yeah, you know what I found from the responses, it was very like. <clears throat> across the board, there were so many commonalities. Like mothers were acknowledging, agreeing that we don't have to take on that whole martyrdom in motherhood or martyrhood in motherhood idea but then acknowledging that it is a little bit of a struggle some days to not slip into it so I think we are collectively as a community agreeing that we don't want to take that on um, but in our respective different unique circumstances some of us it's more challenging to um, savor ourselves in ways and to not have to sacrifice so much of ourselves. So I think it, it made everyone think about like how, you know, how, how what does that look like for them? And, um, but we were all in agreement. Like we, we, we don't have to do this. This is not, this is not what love that. has to look like. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and Rini will kind of tell us which way we'll go. Cause you know, I'll just keep talking. But I do <laughs> want to say this. I also appreciate what your mom said because shout out to Zakia because it's important that we know there are some times where you are going to have more sacrifice in the parenting experience right it's no if ands or buts about it I think what I've learned is that if I'm going to be sacrificial as a mom or if I'm going to be sacrificial as a wife or if I'm going to give more to my job or I'm going to give more to certain friends I can't give that same energy to everybody Right. So mm-hmm. I have to be very clear about what is um, mutually beneficial, what does reciprocity look like from an energy perspective, who deserves to get this from me, because everybody can have it 
and me expect to sustain myself, right? So like, I have to make sure I'm putting marbles in my jar. I have to make certain that my cup is filled full so everyone can get my overflow. And so that's a decision. That's a choice. I love that. I do. Um, I'm going to wrap this up now, but we definitely have a few more minutes for final thoughts. If there's anything on your hearts or minds that you want to share, but I, I'm just figuring it all out. Like Sage will be three in a couple of weeks. And this conversation was extremely inspiring for me. It makes me feel like, okay, I can go into homeschooling and not be a martyr and not be fearful of what it looks like because I can create it um and so yeah I feel super inspired I'm definitely gonna spend the next few weeks writing out a mission statement for motherhood and just writing out a mission statement for why I even want to homeschool um because you've inspired me so thank you for joining us Shahida and thank you for just dropping all these gems I can't wait for our audience to hear it all. Um, will you share where people can follow you and where they should, you know, look for you online? Yeah, definitely. So I'm on Instagram at bossmom underscore Shah, S-H-A-H. And then my community page, Boss Mom Nation, that's just at Boss Mom Nation. And I recently launched a publication called Motherhood is My Muse. So it's, um, it's all things motherhood, community life, and education. And um, I publish a podcast along with just my writings and me sharing and updating what's going on with me as I journey through all the things. So, yeah. And is that website motherhoodismymuse.com? It is, yes. Okay, perfect. We will make sure that we put all of the links in the notes section so everyone can follow you including the lovely articles. But yeah, thanks again. Um, I will let Janae say her final thoughts because I know she has them. <laughs> <laughs> Always have fun. Always have fun. Um, what are my fa- final thoughts? I think that first, I'm just appreciative of this friendship. I'm appreciative of this sisterhood. I am so grateful that we have collectively decided that we're going to do this differently and that we can do it together. And so, of course... I am eternally grateful for the friendship that you offered to us, Shahida, that you offered to me, the sisterhood that you've always given to me. I'm pumped to see this little baby in a couple of weeks when I come and show up on your doorstep, like, hello. Yes. And more importantly, I definitely want you to come back because this Zen journey is dynamic and we need to have all of like-minded um, women in the community saying you don't have to feel so overwhelmed all the time. So that's the goal. That's the goal. Thank y'all for having me. I'm, I feel so grateful to be a part of this with you, you all. And hey, I just please to share, like, I met Shahida back in the day at Morris Brown College where Shahida. Shahida attended. And I was just visiting Janae. I would visit Janae and Shahida was always there. And wow, look at the women we've become. I don't even want to tell folks what we were doing back then at Morris Brown College on that campus, but look at the women we've become. I'm so- Thank God they didn't have IG and TikTok and all of the things. I'm just <laughs> impressed with us. I'm impre- impressed that we're at, at our journey, like just yes. little girls in college. So um, remember y'all, find your light, stay in your truth because the future is the future in. is in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye, y'all. Talk to you. Bye. Bye.